out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good afternoon. We're broadcasting on the podcast app, Colin. And uh, we're excited to bring you news and views here on Colin. So I'm just trying to get the text right here. So it's been a hell of a week. When I say hell, I should say it's been a very sunshiny week. So I'm going to go ahead and invite all the people and see who we can get in the room with us to talk about FUD, AI, and we're all going to die. So uh, let me see who I have here with me. I've got Julia. Hey, Julia! Thanks for attending. Um, And then... Could you do me a quick favor and then invite, go to the little man with the plus at the bottom and invite some people uh, because I really want people to hear what's going on this week. So I just wanted to start with a little blurb here from Epoch News and the headline, which will be up here in the, in the box, in the unsanctioned citizen box at the top, you just push to the left, there's going to be several headlines that you can kind of scroll through. My substack is right there, Liberty in Many Directions. Before I get started, I just wanted to say it's been a great, great, awesome, awesome week. I'm picking up subscribers every day at substack now. You can see me on Twitter. So I'd like to give a big, big, big fat thanks to Mr. Elon Musk for buying uh, Twitter and then also releasing the Twitter files and then also working on the algorithm because all of those things are happening happening simultaneously. It's a ton of work. It's a ton of janitorial work to come behind Vijaya God and Yoel Roth and the US government to get this all straightened out. But I'm eternally grateful because people I have not talked to in over 12, wait a minute, hang on, 2012? Uh, uh, yeah, over 10 years? Maybe maybe 10 years. People I haven't talked to or, or seen online in 10 years are now making connections with me on, on Twitter. So <laughs> so it's really tremendous, uh, tremendously fantastic work that people can see me again. I got followed by uh, uh, Steve Miller, who has like 200, I think some hundreds of thousands of followers and I didn't memorize his follower count but I also got uh, followed by a colleague that I had worked with years ago uh, totally invisible I guess like I, we couldn't associate because of whatever tiered system the caste system of the internet that was being superimposed upon my communication um, uh, Jules Polinetsky uh, a man I had submitted research and findings to while I was in Seattle uh, to, to, on mass surveillance and mass surveillance systems that were adopted by, by city and municipal governments. So so it's been a, a very joyous occasion to have sunshine in my life again. Thanks to Matt Taibbi, who is also on the Colin Network doing his broadcast, and, um, and the people who also do media... Ah, so many. Um, so let me get forward. 
Let me get forward. All right. So San Francisco did a U-turn allowing police to deploy killer robots, these little, you know, four-wheeled looking UAV things with, you know, little turning knobs and things like that to, uh, to deploy to inca- incapacitate dangerous suspects. They could either shoot them or tase them or something. But they were going to allow them out with limited capability in order to do this. But then San Francisco, I think, did a double end around and said no altogether. So good for them. San Francisco lawmakers on December 6th voted to ban. I mean, stop them altogether. At first they were like, yeah, well, we're going to let it through, la, 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 la. But they voted to ban police from using remote-controlled robots that can be equipped with explosive charges Reversing an earlier decision on the matter, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors voted 8-3 to on Tuesday to explicitly ban the San Francisco PD from using the robots in extreme circumstances. Specifically, police would have been able to use the robots to, quote, to contact, incapacitate, or disorient violent, armed, or dangerous suspects when there is an imminent risk of loss of life to members of the public or officers. So according to reports, SFPD has 17 of these robots. Not one or two to, you know, try in the field. 17 in its arsenal and 12 of which it describes as fully functional. The force required the robots between 2010 and 2017, which means that there were seven years of acquisitions, like, what, a robot a year or something? And they are remotely controlled and operated by SFPD officers who have undergone specialized training according to the police so a law enforcement equipment policy forms pegs the initial cost of the robots which are already in use in other parts of the country at just under one million so that's a million per bot that's a very expensive policeman okay they're gonna pay a robot one million let's just say that this was a robot one million dollar robot and an SFPD salary, I'm just going to just look at this, San Francisco policeman salary, San Francisco police salary, <laughs> see here, One, $147,628 per year, okay. So roughly thirty years. Yeah, I, I guess you could say that it's a three million dollar career, you know, over the term of like say thirty years. But most police officers don't run thirty years. So if they buy a robot for one million dollars bond now, uh, they're I guess they're saving on police work. I'm not sure that the argument is sound economically to save the public the waste, fraud, and abuse. So, jury's still out, but I'm glad that they're not going to use robots to kill anybody. That's that's I'm going to give a clap clap for that one. So, the next item I have up for news and discussion would be that the Texas governor has banned a Chinese social media app, TikTok, on phones issued by state agencies. So Texas Governor Greg Abbott has ordered all Texas state agencies to ban the use of TikTok on any government-issued devices as the threat of the Chinese government gaining access to critical 
U.S. information and infrastructures continue to grow, his office said Wednesday. So in letters to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, Speaker Dade Phelan, and state agency leaders, Abbott highlighted the state of Texas's responsibility to preserve the safety and cybersecurity of Texans, in addition to the federal government's responsibility for foreign policy issues. So TikTok harvests vast amount of data from its users' devices, including when, where, and how they conduct internet activity, and offers this trove of potentially sensitive information to the Chinese government. So these are ongoing discussions. TikTok is one app and one singular app that is used in phones that has Chinese relay. Uh, Alipay is another one. WePay is another one. Um, they both have information governance. Unfortunately, some, micro, some Microsoft laptops, kind of like Lenovo, have information security uh, agreements with the Chinese government that everything that goes through them ends up with the Chinese government because they have, I don't know, parts, some type of... They're going to try to get American data through PIPL law. So if it if it touches or uses a Chinese network or Chinese-owned anything, it's commandeered as owned by the Chinese government through their policy. So not a lot of people know that, but I will occasionally remind the U.S. public that, that if there's any such agreement uh, with, say, an Apple phone or an iPhone that wasn't made transparent, uh, then some of that data will get uh, transferred to China. If it's encrypted, uh, then it's not, it's a no-go. Like, they don't have to share anything that's encrypted legally. So, because they can't, they just can't. You can't unencrypted data that you encrypted. That's how it be. Um, so, I just wanted to offer that as, as a, an, an information amenity to you before I switch horses here. So, there's a lot of censorship going on. And, uh, but before I do that, I want to read this, this, uh, reclaim the Texas Statecraft. No, 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 no. There was a responsible statecraft and that news on statecraft. Okay, it turns out that Eric Schmidt has been dilly-dallying and making policy with um, with others in the government, and he's kind of he's kind of banal washing it. I'm calling it banal wash now. They have these these very far-reaching, very dangerous, very broad-sweeping policies. And they're making it sound like, oh, it's just routine, boring business. It's just a trip to the bank. It's this, it's that. It's lights changing at the intersection. You know, when in fact it's going to really invade your life. It's going to cause you, you know, actual damages, uh, economic harms, and sanctions capability in, in, the, in the future. So 
they take policies that seem like, oh, well, you know, we're just going to get a little tax grant cash for this, and, you know, we're going to make some changes, and then you're going to you're gonna go along with this little little 30-page policy, and you're going to hit the X at the bottom, and you're, you know, you're not going to even, you're not going to even feel it. It's going to be like, it's going to be like flicking a tick off. No, but a tick actually burrows in, and it can give you infections, and you're like, you're not going to feel this, and you feel it, which is lying. So, I'm going to responsible statecraft. Oh, Eric Schmidt. This is an important piece I wanted to share with you. So AI weapons investors are getting an undisclosed advertorial in the Atlantic. And Atlantic is the journal of, you know, patently democratic, progressive, and crappy ideas, like bad public policy ideas. <laughs> so the magazine failed to spell out that Robert Work and Eric Schmidt have financial states, stakes in the great power competition they're hawking. And this is from Eli Clifton. So the Atlantic Ideas article had all the trappings of an insightful think piece co-authored by one of the most successful former CEOs in Silicon Valley, Eric Schmidt. Schmidt, who headed up Google from 2001 to 2011, writing alongside Robert O. Work, described the Atlantic as the 32nd de U.S. Deputy, Deputy Secretary of Defense. I'm not going to even... I'm not going to even entertain that. So at the heart of their strategy is the pivot by the Department of Defense to great power competitions and the rapid development and deployment of artificial intelligence technologies. So there's a huge potential conflict of interest that the Atlantic failed to disclose to readers on Monday. Schmidt's venture capital firm, Innovation Endeavors, is an enthusiastic investor in AI products for the military work, for his part, is chairman of the board of Spark Ignition Government Systems. So a government that, dis a sorry, I said a government, I meant a company that describes itself as the first full spectrum, and that usually applies to surveillance when they say full, full spectrum, we're talking totally invasive authority, TIA, total awareness, full spectrum, that's what that is. Do you remember PRISM? Do you remember the Snowden, like, DNI reach that the NSA had with that that software capability? Yeah, thin thread. That's all full spectrum. So this is describing itself as the full, first full spectrum artificial intelligence company that leverages proven commercial technologies to meet the needs of the most pressing national security missions. Whoa. So in other words, the policies advocated by the two writers at the, at the Atlantic could provide them with direct financial benefits. And the authors are clear about their worldview that provides an unquestioning endorsement of U.S. military primacy and global hegemony and mass surveillance and NSA probing uh, with no acknowledgments of the cost to U.S. citizens who aren't directly invested in the expensive technology and, and both author, authors are invested in promoting. <clears throat> they write, our military primacy allowed us to shape the global economy, unlocking trillions of dollars for U.S. companies and citizens, and to secure the free flow of commerce that enabled supply chains to function and globalization to flourish. Do we need any more flourish to globalization? No, we don't, because we're underneath. They made this decision, you know what? You shall have lots of inflation and no property rights, and we win. 
and you get to do surf work. That's globalization, and I'm just not liking it. Biden decided to go hard on globalization, and here we are. So it also allowed us to establish the global data network that powers the digital economy and internal international com communication. Uh -huh. So most important, our hegemony has helped protect democracy worldwide against challenges from authoritarianism. I don't even know how they put that in the same paragraph. I don't know how, because that is authoritarianism. Everything they've described enables dystopian levels of authoritarianism. Okay, so I've got five folks with me so far, or we've got Miranda, yay, you're back, Julia and Ben. So I'm glad you're here. So, all right, now we can get to the fun stuff if you want. If, you, if anybody wants to call in and talk about this statecraft AI conundrum, I just want you to know that, that there are people who will indulge the federal government about anything. They will indulge the government about anything. If they have a weapon of mass destruction that they want the U.S. government to buy it. And if it kills you, they don't care. Lord of War. <laughs> so, I, it's, it's reasonably dark, and so as soon as I saw this article, I tweeted out on my feed, uh, we're all going to die. <laughs> if someone's just taking this bait and saying, this is a great idea, I'm the Biden administration, I like the Atlantic, this is a great idea, come on, Eric Schmidt, let's do this. <laughs> we're screwed. <laughs> Let me see if there's anything in the comments. So, uh, alright, I'm just gonna go ahead. Let's get to the fun stuff. Let's go to, go to the Twitter. The Twitter. I've got some tape. Let me see here. Chief's Baby Girl says, I mean, we've been doing it for foreign countries for years. Well, does that make it great? Does it make it good that we're the facilitator for all this global destruction? I've never been okay with that. Honestly. Honestly. Um, so I have a piece of audio that I'm going to queue up for you guys if you'll allow me. Um, please indulge me. Uh, I have an interview with Dan Bongino that will that will explain quite a bit. Let me see if I can get it. There it is. So w once I queue it up, I've been having trouble with my um, sound function here on the on the site. And I'm just going to call this files and hit save and let's see if it, it'll actually execute this time. I did an entire DJ set thinking that, that this was going to be proficient, so let's hope for the best. So it, it's spooling right now. I can say that Dr. J. Bhattacharya says he strongly suspects federal government directed Twitter to blacklist his account because uh, they did. And it came out in the wash. So Stanford professor responds to Twitter's secret censorship of his account. And this is the source here is Reclaim the Net. Uh, before I get to that story, I'm going to play this tape for you. It's about eight minutes. Go. Come on. News alert part three of the Twitter files revealing executives met with the FBI 
and DHS and DNI on a weekly basis around the 2020 election. Weekly basis. In a series of tweets, Matt Taibbi writes, Policy Director Nick Pickles is asked in the, if the marketing department should say Twitter detects misinformation through human review and partnerships with outside experts. Yeah, so Pickles mm. told them to say partnerships. Not sure we describe the FBI and DHS as wow. experts, reads the quote. Sounds right. Whatever it is, they're looking for some way to characterize their relationship with law enforcement. And Unfiltered's Dan Bongino is a great place to start in characterizing that relationship. As we learned this week, Dan, you were one of the people placed on Twitter's blacklist to yes. their search engine. Good morning, Dan. Uh, how would you characterize that relationship? Listen, this is only the biggest First Amendment scandal of, uh, of, of my lifetime. I, I, you know, I just turned 48 not that long ago. I've never seen, and it's, here's the, here's the crazy thing, guys. It's so easy to explain that it's hilarious watching liberal media activists, you know, wet their diapers trying to defend this. First, remember the story over the uh, Twitter government collusion to suppress people like me and shadow ban me? The first story was, well, listen, it's a private company. They can do what they want. There's really no government involvement. And then we found out that there was government involvement, that the FBI may have been involved. And then we would confirm that the FBI was involved. And then they were like, well, the FBI was just giving general warnings to tech companies. And then it turned out that it was the FBI and the DNI and the DHS and potentially the CDC and others. And then they were like, okay, it was just a lot of general warnings from the government. And then, sorry, one more, guys. Then the story morphed again. The Yoel Roth Twitter executive sworn statement to the FEC yeah. came out where he admitted that it wasn't a general warning, but that the, these entities had warned specifically about the Hunter Biden story. And now all of a sudden they're like, well, screw it. We're just commies. Let's just admit it and cut the BS. I mean, really, wait, this is the guys. Can you please can anyone on the couch? I know you're all strong, liberty loving patriots. Can anyone explain to me how the FBI, the DNI, and the DHS meeting with a private company and winking and nodding, suggesting they restrict people's free speech. Can you please explain to me how that's not a violation of the First Amendment? I, I'm, I'm all ears, man. It's 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 unbelievable we're even having this debate. Well, but Dan, the media is ignoring it. You know, outside of us, we're we're covering it, but the, the media is ignoring it. You know, as we learn more, how deep do you think this goes, Dan? Well, listen, this is, a, this is the next shoe to drop here. So uh, on, my, on my show tonight, I have an unfiltered about, it's supposed to be an eight-minute monologue. I think Pete may have heard some of it. I've interviewed Pete tonight as well. He's always awesome. But it was supposed to be eight. It turned into like a 13-minute monologue. It's completely unscripted. And it really um, screwed up my whole show because we almost had to cancel some guests, not Peter. But I, I produced the receipts and the facts tonight. That it's not just that they colluded with the government to restrict free speech. We know that. Media uh, imbeciles, we're not arguing about that. Just sit in the corner and shut up. We get all that. You guys are just useless anyway. We'll take this from here. The next shoe to drop is were these tech companies colluding with each other? And I'll tell you why I bring this up. And I produced the receipts tonight on my show. You know, I was attacked at the. But, but I, don't want to be, I don't want to be dramatic. I, I was. I, I was confronted by a lot of these tech companies, let's say, all around the same time on my podcasts and everywhere else, and they all seem to have the same message. Now, I can't prove they were colluding with each other, but I'll show you tonight how Google, how YouTube, which is part of Google, Facebook, and Twitter, all in this same time period, all came after little old Dan Bongino from Queens. 
YouTube banned me for saying that cloth masks don't stop the spread of COVID, which now, by the way, is scientific fact. Google ads wiped my website off their network. This is all around the same time Twitter suspended me after January 6th for simply retweeting Trump's statement. Yeah. And then Facebook says at the same time, oh, we're going to start crushing political content. And who is it going to affect? The, I even show you the news media. Piece. It says Ben Shapiro and Dan Bongino because mm -hmm. we have the biggest Facebook pages in the conservative space. Were they colluding with each other? That's the next shooter drop. I think they were. I, I so, mean, go ahead. If I could, you know, um, I was thinking about Dan's question to us, and, and I wanted to engage. I was thinking, uh, you, uh, yeah. of how they say it's not a First Amendment violation. Like that question, Dan, and you know, like you, Dan, I love debating, right? So that means I go yeah. seek out the other side. How are they saying it? Increasingly in this story, how are they spinning it? And and um, what I, what I'll tell you what they're saying, Dan. Other than it's a nothing burger, there's the way they're saying this isn't a First Amendment violation. Is they're saying, well, the FBI can make recommendations. To private companies. They can make recommendations on what they believe is disinformation. And then I think we move to the next step, which is, but if all of the recommendations flow in one direction, what does that tell us about our national intelligence apparatus, right? FBI, DHS, um, yeah. DNI. What does that tell us about those organizations, which we increasingly focus on and need to, and their point of view when it comes to someone like you, somebody like me, somebody she like will. Pete, or Lisa, and our points of view? You're a lawyer, so you'll get this probably better than most. I'm not, but I'm intimately familiar with how the law works, having spent my career in law enforcement. The law and the reason we have judges is because, as you know, Will, the law is a lot of gray area. Right. So, yes, they could technically say, oh, we just winked and nodded at Twitter and said, hey, this tweet Dan Bongino put out there about masks, you know, this could be classified as misinformation. You know, be a real shame if your place burned down if you didn't do anything about it, right? <laughs> right. And then the FBI can sit back and say, we didn't demand anything and play kind of a euphemisms game. Oh but Will, God. as an attorney, you know this. No judge is going to take that seriously. There's an implied force mechanism with government that doesn't exist when a private entity does that. The government is the only entity in the United States, in our country, that has the power to take your life and your freedom. We don't have mercenaries. We don't have a private right. police that are de deputized by the government. You may have some kind of police powers, but the government sanctions that all the time. So when the FBI makes a recommendation, it's not a recommendation. It's an implied, you better do this or else. And any serious judge knows that. You know, the and by the way, Dan, I'm sorry. Really this was happening at the yeah. same time, by the way, Democratic politicians were threatening big tech. Remember that? They yes, were openly. Democratic politicians openly. were threatening big tech while the law enforcement uh, arms were openly. making suggestions. Well, I was, I was an investor, early investor in Parler. AOC literally tweeted out to Amazon about their cloud, which Parler was on. Hey, uh, Amazon, what are you guys going to do about Parler? I mean, uh, are you now again to the libs? I know you're not that bright, but let's <laughs> reverse this a bit. Let's—they're not. They just—they don't get don't it disagree. unless it, you know it kicks them in the teeth. Imagine you had said something like to the pro-abortion crowd on the left that the FBI went into a say pro-life group and said, "Hey, guys, you know." We're not recommending you block a, an abortion clinic, but, you know, if you did it, we may not do anything about it. So, you know, if you right. guys go and block, they would lose their minds. They would lose yeah. their minds. But, but all, they don't, you know. It all always goes in the direction of hurting Republicans. Well, that's what I mean. It's, 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 it's Democrats it. in Washington, D.C. with a lot of power, winking and nodding at Democrats in San Francisco all with a lot of power, direction. all flowing right. in one particular direction. And they never counted on any of us knowing right. because it's an elite government agency. Yeah. 
and a Silicon Valley company that wasn't supposed to be bought by Elon Musk. Uh, instead, we learned yeah. that guys like you were targeted. Dan, real quick on your show tonight, what do you got? Okay, so that that's the tidy up of that. Julia, I know you wanted to talk, but Bongino was <laughs> busy explaining the world to us. If you want to hop back up here, you can. Um, I'd be more than happy to take your call. Um, we got a comment here from Chief's Baby Girl. Uh, the right has been right about so much. It seems that there's no effective media putting it out there, specifying each incident. When Obama took away power from Congress without much of any pushback, which bothered me greatly, by the way, Chief, I'm like right there. They seem to be too big to fail now. They bomb and invade and weapon deal right in our faces. I felt pretty hopeless for years. I hope the tide is turning. The Fed is scary and powerful right now because there's no public anger that results in election change. I don't know. And I, here's what I think. I hear I hear that loud and clear. But, you know, I've dissented for years. And it's just people think I'm not there. You know, if you can't see the dissent online and they're kettling dissent on Twitter, and I can't even be seen because I'm shadow banned, you know, it looks like there's no dissent. So they're manufacturing a counter dissent like, oh, this is okay. This is tacit consent, whatever we do. Go ahead, Ben. You there? Yeah, hi. Your mic yeah. is on. Go ahead. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I just I just wanted to ask a question. I mean, ha- has has the First Amendment actually been broken? Like, yeah, any for laws sure. Been broken? Most certainly, most certainly, and in, and in a few other laws too. So there's there's the uh, the matter of fair practice, and it was probably endangered when critically endangered when we saw Mudge Zatko's uh, cybersecurity report come out. Um, because there was just prolapsed, forfeited, all over the place. Okay, so Vijaya Gad and Yal Roth were over trust and safety, and they had so much power that people are kidding, including Elon Musk, that they were running the company. Um, and that, that's that's a that's pretty significant when the current owner of the company says yeah they were running it and Jack Dorsey wasn't doing very much so uh, trust and safety that's a whole conundrum in and of itself they're supposed to take on the compliance and legal compliance for the entire company to to check things like you know death threats um, bomb threats threats of national security that are that are valid um, to, to address those things online, get uh, hostage videos pulled, things like that. That's That would be the job of trust and safety, making sure that child porn doesn't have a massive nest in the DMs. That's their job. Okay, They didn't do it. So in exchange, they were running game for the government, running propaganda game for the government, and letting like child porn go to the wayside. It's like they couldn't pick. They're like, uh, uh, well, if we gotta pick one, let's just censor everybody and let the kids get molested. And I think that that's what happened. You know, trust and safety had one job, and they didn't do it. And that, that's a, that's a civil crime, and it is a federal offense. So, for a company to do that, you know, now that it's changed hands, of course, 
it's going to be a, a dicey game. There is there is a request for these folks to show up to Congress. By the way, I just wanted to let you know that. So who committed the federal? Who committed the federal offense? Is it the, the the people in government who are communicating with Twitter, saying you know, deboost this user, take down this tweet? Or is there, it, is- there is crime that did happen. There, that's what they call malfeasance. When malfeasance from the government facing the people, that there was a miscarriage of, of an abuse of the office for sure, um, overstepping, influence peddling, which is a corruption crime. You know, that's an FBI crime. So I'm sure that there's a lot of paper being filed. Um, Collusion isn't a technical. It, it's a, it's an ethical violation. It's not necessarily a crime, but there were real crimes that were actually committed, and I, I definitely need you to hear more about those. Um, so they would have known. From what that, I can see, they would have known that um, uh, this would all wash come out in the wash if Elon Musk has successfully bought Twitter. So mm. it's kind of hilariously ironic that they had to sue him to buy buy them <laughs> right and FBI's uh, former FBI Jim Baker trying to 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 you know spoil it before it all got out that was the biggest coup I I uh, it was a real bellwether to like there is some really stinky kettle of fish here because if it didn't get out because James Baker was trying to be protectorate protectorati of the secret police he was just covering for everybody, not just himself. So I don't know what kind of swords are going in his back right now. You know, they're probably all busy having a circular firing squad at the moment going, who's to blame? Well, you're to blame, and you're to blame. They're all to blame. All of them. So while everybody was, you know, yelling and screaming about, <laughs> thanks for the upvote on that one. They're all to blame. Um... You know, you had people like Dr. J. Bhattacharya, you know, very, very credentialed scientist from Stanford U, U Medical School. He's an epidemiologist, and that's that's another credentialed scientist that got thrown in the trash and censored. Um, he was blacklisted at Twitter. Go ahead. Well, that's, this is the thing, right? So this whole censorship, censorship regime was created to kill Trump's chances of a second uh, general election win but what happened in the kind of meantime was that COVID happened and the censorship apparatus was used to to like minimise and de-boost and stop dissent of the COVID response and it, it's just been absolutely terrible you should complain Seriously, you should go to complain. Are are you in Are you in Europe? Where are you? What? I'm in England. Yeah, you're in England. I mean, you should You should go to Twitter, Twitter England, and just you know drag out your your signs and the wet soggy and and say this is unacceptable. But I mean, <laughs> as, as, as a conservative, it was like a double whammy. It's like during during 2016, we had our own kind of. I mean, the algorithm didn't. Uh, respect national bound international boundaries, right? So even I, though I'm in England, I was deboosted and shadow banned wow. because the AI the AI was just looking at, you know, whatever the flavor of the month meme was at the moment. You know, so I think people had sunflowers in their 
in the Twitter bio. Oh, right, the, the Ukrainian flag. The Ukrainian and flag. it was... But, 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 but not but, but the Ukrainian flag's on the right side, on the regi- regime side of things, but on the opposite side. So, and the, the, the AI, I'm convinced, would just look at things like this, that would then you look at heuristics to work out whether which side of the uh, regime narrative you were on, and then de-boost you. And that, and that happens in 2016 with Brexit for us, and then Trump for you, and then it happened again with COVID. And so, you know, you, you, you're very unhappy with, with the regime's behavior, and yet you've got no outlet, you've got no voice. It's, it, it contravened what it was meant to do. In fact, it inverted the meanings of many things. Trust and safety? Who was, who was made safe? Can you trust them at all? No. Not even a little bit. I am so confused. I sent, um, I sent a tweet to Elon Musk this week, and I, I've surfaced this concern before. Um, there, there are people who are doing tremendously positive, good work, in social responsibility that have been involved in sustainability field, but it's not what it means when the World Economic Forum gets a hold of it. Okay, it changes the meaning entirely if it doesn't invert it completely. So they have lost the command of the language. They have lost the command of the meaning of things like trust and safety and compliance and data security and data privacy. None of those things mean what they mean when they end up in the hands of a Sand Hill invested SF firm or people in Washington State at Microsoft. None of those things mean what they mean. What they mean is mass surveillance, data surveillance trades that they do with China and BRICS, uh, it, their ability to um, master and remaster the data that you put into the system and make it theirs. Somehow, I don't know. Um, but it's all—it's all very odd. They, right? because because these people were, were were. It's Orwellian. They were ignoring child exploitation, sexual exploitation yeah. on the platform, in order to focus on, I don't know, Dan Bongino or you know, mean tweets by. Unbelievable. Some, and and it's just James Woods. I mean, it's just. Uh, it's it, I, I I literally cannot kind of conceive of the kind of cognitive steps. They could have done both. I mean, they they could have done some work. They were obviously over-employing people who were do-nothings. They could have gotten some people that were actually competent to do these things, but they didn't. And I think that that's the mindset. I'd like someone to try and explain that that rationale to me, because I, I, I literally cannot conceive of the mindset of these people. Yeah, I mean, I, I've approached even Greer, uh, who's at Fight for the Future, who's, who seems to be moder- moderately sensible about some of this stuff. And then I approached Tristan Harris, and I have approached the people who were the, the humanist, humanize the internet people, who were, who were against, you know, poorly engineered UX to promote conflict and artificial conflicts in in the space and they were really in there they're like we want to make things better so that this engineering and the ux and the way things are constructed but there are trust and safety titles that they're in they're coordinating under so it's a complete and utter fog right now i have no idea what trust and safety means when it's attached to dei 
and when it's attached to SDGs and ESG and this great reset garbage that's coming in from, like, say, Accenture Global, okay? So, I mean, Accenture is, is a global tech company that was fostered in, in, I think, Ireland, you know, which is not a bad thing, but they're going along with the ESG um, and SDG programming, and uh, they want me to get a vaccine in Austin, Texas, okay? It's, I, I don't need to get one. I could have submitted a, 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 what is it, an exception? But why would I, why would I work there? Why would I work there if they're shoving people in the direction of a mandatory vaccine as a corporation now? Especially when the vaccine has been like, it's no longer necessary. 94% of the global population has already had the disease. We're really out of the danger zone. And, but they won't let this die because they need the emergency management powers in order to coordinate all this, this global com- conformity. And they just won't let go of it. It's the only emergency that they have. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and so I, I guess, you know, Ben, I mean, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that? Uh, I mean, it's just also depressing. I mean, I just, on that point, uh, I think it was in California that they were kind of mandating uh, masks for children in schools for a long time just so that they could maintain COVID funding to help uh, some other unrelated thing like to funds for homeless people. I mean, it's whenever the state gets involved, you get these bizarre kind of negative outcomes that no one ever kind of envisaged. Um, Unintended consequences. I, I just... I'm still trying to make sense of the last. I think it's still busy being nonsensical, to be honest. They're not done yet. <laughs> They're just not done. Um, we're getting it. We're just juicing that an enormous boil that's just been lanced. And, and they're so quiet right now. So we have an opportunity to get in there and, and really make ourselves soundly and resoundly heard that, uh, this is not to be tolerated in the West. <laughs> so, Chief's baby girl says, I'm from the Gov, and I'm here to help. Scariest thing you can hear, Ben. That was directed at you from Chief's baby girl. Who is welcome to call in at, at any time. If you ever w- want to open your mic, Miranda, you're totally welcome to do that. And then I'd like to invite Julia again to come up and speak if you'd like to keep the conversation going. I'm going to promote you to the speaker column so that Julia can get up here and talk to you if she wants. Julia, would you like to say anything? Okay. She has accepted my invitation. Go ahead and unmute your mic. Hey, Sheila. How's it going? Hi. I'm so glad to hear from you. Yeah. She came over from uh, Stephen Miller's show, The Verses. Yep. And I gotta say, Sheila, the first time I heard you on Stephen's call in it was like the roe v wade thing had just been overturned oh my god <laughs> and I, I thought you were crazy but like <laughs> i was yeah. lit no i know and i but no i think i think you're great and you are concerned about the right things that particular issue i was like they're not gonna put people in jail to have abortions but you know these days it's like close i <laughs> 
I remember saying, you know, in 2015 and 16, I was like, like, calm down. No one's going to elect Donald Trump. You know, and I'm just really not surprised by anything these days. So, um, but I was going to say, you know, I don't know anything about the killer robots, but it sounds like a terrible idea. And um, today I happened to be like, I was doing housework and had the TV on. Um, and it was like some homicide hunter show. And then like played, you know, a different show. It was like this Just have housewife do it, you know, on her real crime beat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> her true crime, her true crime little hour, little lifetime murder, television. Little murder in the background. Yeah. <laughs> But you know how it'll like one show ends and another one just starts, you know. Right. Um, it was some body cam show, and it's just it reminded me of like how dangerous the you know traffic stops are for cops, and like I've heard that they've people have been working on some sort of robot that can basically pull people over and give them traffic tickets, and I'm like. How is that going to work? <laughs> like, you could just drive off or just, like, I don't know, <laughs> throw your big bulb at it. And, like, I, I just feel like we're years off from that. <laughs> but, like, yeah. Probably be a drone. <laughs> no, but I'm like. You can't get away. That would be great if that could work. But, you know, because we don't want to put people in danger. But I just, you know, and Elon Musk has always been. You know, he's always said that, like, AI has the potential to basically wipe out the human race, you know, and I'm like... Yet he's the first guy to put a brain chip in people. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's like just seeing how even, like, facial recognition is used so nefariously by, you know, the Chinese government, you know, mm -hmm. people like mm -hmm. that. Who Google is happy to, you know, work for, by the way, you know, but won't do anything for the American government. It's, yeah, any any kind of technology like that, like my gut instinct is to just say no, you know, even if, okay, we could potentially, you know, catch more criminals and stuff like that. I just feel like the risk is way too high compared to the reward and I mean with drug like basically we've used correlation robots. with DNA uh, cataloging and you know the yeah way it's like, all information like, to, to people like the, the top rung of, of Google mm -hmm. and Google's one of the ex-wives club uh, went on to do 23andMe and she's just you know enormously successful farming people's uh, genetic uh, profiles for yeah. research. Okay, she found the hack, the HIPAA hack, that, you know, as long as it's used for research, you can get whatever you want, mm -hmm. including uh, genetic information research. Yeah. And nobody ever reads the, like, terms and conditions whenever they are signing up for any kind of thing, and they're like, oh, I want to see what my heritage is. But, you know, and speaking of true crime, you know, I followed the whole Golden State Killer story, you know, where they they identified him because some relative had done a DNA test. And it's right. like, well, isn't it great that we caught him? Yes, but 
I just feel like, you know, who, like, who knows what's going to happen if you give up your egg because... I'm grateful for you, Julia. I really am grateful for you because there's nothing like being in in a salon and thinking that everybody thinks like you and me. And then, you know, it's a mommy... And she's like, well, they caught that guy because of the DNA from 23andMe. So you better shut down and uh, keep stepping because they caught criminals. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I'm, I, you know it's, it's tough when people push back and they're like, oh, no, I'm in favor of surveillance. You're in favor of crime if you, if you are not in favor of mass surveillance. Well, it's like I feel like it's just like with, um, you know, so many issues with the Democrats these days. It's like. Well, just imagine this, you know, technology or this, um, you know, power of the government. Imagine what, you know, your opponents could do with it. You know, so. They they never seem to think farther than the tip of their nose about that stuff because they just automatically presume that they'll be the ones in power. But they they will be. I mean. There's a, such a slim chance that the regime will change, and that's why Donald Trump was rejected so ha- so viciously. Like, viciously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think. Well, if you don't want them to be in charge, then I, I'm trying to get to the optimistic place. Just in well, speaking how do you terms. how do you change the regime in America or whatever or Britain or wherever? The truth both, is, both sides of the aisle. Uh, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. You have to have okay. What party? Whatever party you're a, a, a part of, because yeah. this globalist entrenchment is in every single party. And this is what I have learned in the last six months that has become crystalline. It's become totally clear. Is mm-hmm. that the people who are globalist want a a far-reaching tacit representation that is seamless and harmonized. So in order to get that, they go into every single club and become, assimilate themselves into the the mass, and then they just start, they just start seducing everybody. Mm -hmm. They start seducing the people that they can, and they use the Chinese model you know, to make it worth their while. Okay, we're going to coerce you, but we'll give you uh, this giant cache of luggage, you know, cash-filled bag. Here, just take the money and do what we want. Okay, and that's very similar to what the CIA does in Latin America and other countries across the world. So this is like this kind of stick-and-carrot um, hard power play, very subversive very hard okay and then it trickles down into like well you know we'll just we'll just marble in a few surveillance contracts here and there and then we'll just edge back any kind of you know visible resistance over here we're gonna plant people who look like they're they're against this but they're actually with us inside of the movement we're gonna control the opposition we're gonna you know and it's all them it's all them so if we could take like a cross section and stick it under a microscope, you'll Roth and that exchange about him saying, excuse me, DHS and FBI, I got to pause this, this, uh, this weekly, me- weekly beating 
so that I can go co-administrate between the Aspen Institute and Apple. Okay? That, that, is, that right there, that's a slide. That is a cross-section of what is wrong, what they are like, and why you cannot trust. You cannot go along with this at all. Okay? And <clears throat> you think you don't have a choice. You do. But you gotta go you gotta go to your partisan infrastructure and you gotta say, get rid of these guys. Make sure they don't have power. And then you go to the guys that do represent you and you lean on them. And you say, no pack money unless you make a declaration right now to part company with this cadre. Okay? They are anti sovereign US law. They're anti sovereign, you know, country. They want us to depart from our own rights. They want us to return to serfdom. And it's just inappropriate because nobody voted for that. Nobody. But you're rather limited by the, the, the way that the, the US political system and the UK political system are constructed. So mm -hmm. even, if you, even if you vote your heart out or, or campaign your heart out, you're still, you're still, you're still really limited, aren't you? There's no, and without a revolution, the regime is not going to change. And well, I mean, each is, individual is recruited in, an, in, in a revolution. My my yeah. moniker for this whole time is like, you can always be very powerful with what you can do. Well, Donald and Gandhi, Trump, Gandhi Trump G, Gandhi G used to say like, whatever it is you you do, it is very important that you do it. Sure, and and. The kind of whole boomer meme of, of it's very important to vote, you know, but um, and I, I guess it kind of is. But you know, look, take Donald Trump, right? So his 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 kind of lever moving potential is huge compared to you or I, right? He's a multi billionaire. He was a celebrity. He had huge media presence, and look mm -hmm. look at what he look at what he could achieve. But the entire Washington establishment came down against him and succeeded. Um, and mm. I mean, if he can't nudge it, <laughs> I'm not he sure did nudge it. Can. Did he, he did nudge it. I mean, he he, he definitely interrupted their sanity and and you know yeah. and and crashed their delusion. But he's very much like them. That's the other problem with this scenario that nobody is is willing to admit. He he's a limited savior. He's so much like them that he can't. Wow. He would not cede power when it was time to do it. He's just like them. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. The 2020 elections. Yeah, I mean, he didn't want. You know, I don't really believe in my heart that he had a a um, peaceful resolution about the results of the election. And and I I I don't think he. It's okay to contest the election. It's okay. To say, you know, I really think that I want to recount and I, I would like to, to, to resolve this in a legal way after the election, um, that would have been respect, a completely respectable, and, and there was a legitimate contest until people were aware of this weakness in the government who worked with him. They were, they were aware of this chink in his armor and they amplified this this threat okay and they agitated the politicized FBI agitated some people 
And they went to leaders in the movement that they really did want to take down, like Oath Keepers, okay? Who are legit, were legit, okay? They want to, but they were on the verge. You know, that they, they were your, your counter-revolutionaries, revolutionaries, if there was going to be one, because they already worked in government, they were veterans, and, you know, to, to the establishment, those are the most dangerous people. They're the people who know how to fight, and they know how to fight as a weaponized government soldier. So they are dangerous to the establishment. Those are the first people they went after during January 6th. You know, they, they wanted to purge the cops and the, and the soldiers of anybody, any dissenters in, in that um, range, because they don't want, and they went after the guns, too. Um, <clears throat> and the, the original question ahead. was what what why don't they behave as if um they care about what might happen if the other side gains power right um, and 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 really that can be that boils down to a concern about um a, a limitation of power because the regime on both sides of the atlantic has exercised near unlimited power in the within the last two years with reference to the lockdowns and the reason that they don't care is because there's no jeopardy. They, neither side, or the the regime is is not in jeopardy of ever losing. It's a casino, and they they are running the casino. And I I, I would say mm -hmm. that I would argue that Donald Trump was a, was a, a a true radical and someone who stood against the casino. Uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, but the, he did have the same level of delusional hubris. So as far as, sure. a, as that's why he, he wasn't as alien. effective as he could have been. And then maybe somebody else can come along, maybe someone, someone in the more pocket. Perfect. Someone, someone richer, someone, someone more, more higher profile, someone more effective. I mean, Donald Trump was, was a, a confluence of almost like a perfect storm. And yes, he has failing and he, and he was God's deliverance for the time but I think that Ron DeSantis was an agent of reason in a, a despotic time and he shined he shined when actually Trump defaulted he defaulted on his commission to keep America first because he cowed down to global commandeerment of his government from the WHO censors and the Bureau State so at the end of the day, Ben, he didn't stand up. He didn't have the exercise and the foreknowledge. He was also, this was his first government job, okay? There's no way he would have known or been advised correctly by the snakes around him that these people were coming for him. Mike Pence, for all the good he did, and Mr. Mike Pompeo, he, neither one of them apprised him of the fact that these institutional actors were taking too much from the American people. And he did have Dr. Bhattacharya in his ear, okay? But he didn't choose the people. He chose this administrative diktat, okay? He didn't have enough Trump, Trump of whatever it was to push back against the administrative state being the authoritative actor in this case. He, he could have eliminated have the, power, the He could have the eliminated quite limited powers. 
I've seen the presidents of this United States acting atrociously with their power in, in a more broad sense than you can ever dream. Yeah, sure. Okay. Only, only Obama did it. Mr. Bush did it. You know, I'm going to argue with you there. They, they, well, what, they. How, what was the federal? What were the federal mandates? Um, um, put, in place by, put in place. They, by Trump they that you used. With? They really did use. Uh, do you remember a kill list and the extranational uh, orders to to just execute Americans abroad under Obama? Oh, that was pretty policy, stunning. That's totally different because foreign no, policy. No, no, I mean do... it's actually domestic policy because anything that touches an American abroad is State Department, sir. That's not even, you know, treating the United States people like they are a foreign enemy. That's no good. If okay, you start okay. labeling dissent, you know, in your own country when you're abroad as a terrorist or extremist act, that means that the foreign policy state is after Americans. I saw okay, that happen. I don't, I, I don't know too much about that, but but I asked you a question. And you kind of deflected it. What what were the Sorry, federal go ahead. mandates? What is the question? What were the federal mandates that Trump put in place vis-a-vis -vis COVID that you disagree with? Well, there was lockdowns and, and the emergency the management, the broad invo invocation of emergency powers. The, f the federal it, lockdown was really short, wasn't it? You know, I don't think Trump. The state lockdowns were longer. But in some places, but the federal lockdown was really short, and Trump was agitating for it to end as quickly as possible. I was not happy with how Trump dealt with COVID, not because of mandates, but he just sort of sat back. You know, at first, you know, he didn't take it seriously, and I didn't really take it that seriously either. But he basically, you know, I, I mean, he did. I like how he handled it better than how Biden has, but, you know, basically yeah. promoting Fauci and, you know, the vaccine, I, you know, I really admire what he did, you know, which is just like what he did with the economy. He, you know, cut back the red tape and allowed, you know, private companies to, you know, be able to come up with solutions and you know however you feel about the vaccine now which mm -hmm. I'm a little bit torn um, it would have been able to be reformed under Trump like he never would have punished Robert Malone and let uh, the narco tyranny at Pfizer rule the day yeah that that, that I will say in postmortem is that if Robert Malone said hey this is bad medicine let me fix it uh, he would have allowed that to happen. Well, okay. and they were transparent about it. And, you know, I, where I'm at today, like, I feel like if you are really vulnerable and you have, um, you know, pre-existing conditions, you're, you know, you have a risk with, you know, but the, I feel like you have a higher risk of not getting vaccinated and possibly getting COVID than you have with potential side effects if you got that vaccine back when we were really in the trenches with COVID. Um, but, you know, I got COVID classic, you know, the original. <laughs> I like that term, COVID, COVID classic. Yeah, in like February 2021. And yeah, I, me too. I got, I got it in February 2020. I That's how, how OG I am. Yeah. I'm 32. I got it when I was 30. I have type 1 diabetes, 
but I'm not obese. You know, I'm, I'm healthy in every other way. I hardly had any symptoms. I got tired and had a headache, but that was it. And I was fine, you know, and I had that natural immunity. I got the the vaccine when it came out from Moderna just so people would leave me alone about it. Really? But, yeah. So, but, but I, otherwise I wouldn't have, honestly, like if it wasn't, you know, like my parents, you know, and whoever, I just was like, okay, I'll get it. But, um, and I haven't, gotten COVID since or anything, but I feel like if I did, I would be okay. And I just think that people should not be villainized one way or the other. No, no, because it's their own body, their, their own body and their own medicine that they're in charge of. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I know that Donald Trump is a mixed bag. Okay. But there was, it was so stratified into like, if you say anything validating Trump, what so ever you validate any policy that he's done whatsoever you were cut off tooth and fang by thrown into the fire you're a bad person and that is unacceptable like Like what really really bothers me is like giving the vaccines to children I just feel like uh, and, and having masks on children. Like, I work at a school. Um, I work in the advancement department, you know, raising funds. But, like, I would go to the school, and it's, like, 99%, you know, children of color, as they would say. Um, and for a year and a half, two years, I would see, you know, three-year-olds with these masks on their face. And everybody knows kids they're just not susceptible to like that's that's a criticism i had of of donald trump like he didn't go back to those people and say look knock it off this is stupid he just didn't do it that's weak leadership exactly and desantis did and you know i i live in florida and i just have never been more grateful to live in florida and you know i knew um DeSantis's primary opponent, who I loved, you know, he was from my county, went growing up, um, real great guy who just genuinely loves Florida. And I did not like DeSantis's campaign just because it was all focused on like federal issues, you know, mm-hmm. build the wall, all this stuff. And I was like, you're going to be governor. Like, what are you going to do about our state? But I was completely blown away and pleasantly surprised, like, when, you know, once he was elected, like, how he's governed. And he is just, you know, he is not afraid, like, to stand up to the media. He's much better at handling it, you know. And he, I've just, he used to remind me of, like, Matt Gates, you know, just very showboaty. But he obviously knows, like, he has political acumen. Like, he knew. Well, he's got administrative skill as well. Yes, he does. Like, he has the real, you know, qualities that you want in a leader. But he also knows, like, he knew how to get elected. And He's a politician. 
Yeah, he is, but he's not one. just an <laughs> Like he the really is, a successful an unfair, one. It's, a, it's an unfair argument, Sheila, because um, DeSantis had the powers necessary to implement COVID policy and the state level, which, which so kind of mean, meaningful, did but, but Trump. Trump and in fact, Trump had them. more power. I argue that Trump had more power, Trump and he had the power, executive. Right? He had the executive gavel, and if he wanted to rein in any of those agencies. That was his job. He yeah. didn't do it. Look, he could he could say stuff, but he didn't have any. He didn't really have any. He's not a monarch, power. bro. I mean, that's not how that's not how the United States government works. I mean, yeah. I, well, that's not, not how it works. Let's not patronize, shall we? Let's not patronize. So, 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 um, Donald Trump, as as the leader of the executive, does not did not have wide-reaching legislative control over how individual states conducted COVID policy. That's true. And That's, with, you know, there are 10... With, 10... With, with, respect to, with respect to masks, for example, he was one of the first. And actually, at the time, I thought it was a bad idea. But um, in hindsight, things look a bit different. He was one of the first to challenge the masking. In fact, very early on. And his, his, his uh, rhetoric on lockdowns was that because remember, hindsight's twenty twenty. At the time, people were actually genuinely scared about about the disease. But when it became clear that actually it was uh, quite different and less dangerous to the general population than at first feared, he was itching, you know, champing at the bit to reopen after the after the initial lockdown period. And it you was, know, and I, and I, I hear Democrats I hear that. And it, it was the Democrats and the state legislatures that were weaponizing COVID knowing full well that there was a general election coming up and mm -hmm. plus of course you had the uh the, the huge uh riots going on in, and various states were on fire for the for that mm -hmm. summer um, yeah I know. it's it's deeply unfair to 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 complain in this way about the response that trump had to no it's not to... deeply unfair i'm an american okay, and i can complain about whatever the hell i want to complain about and i did complain about it because i was sitting right there in one of those on fire uh, what was it? Uh, fiery but mostly peaceful protest states. I was I was basically adjacent to Chaz Chop, but and again, so I was I was I saw it. I went down there, my 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 fellow speaker. I did that. I went down there. I if he would have invoked or revoked any of the emergency powers early and said we're ending this, we are ending this. Okay, he could have co-administrated because that's how this government works. Okay. All of those agencies, the State Department, the CDC, all of those are, are executive agencies. That's a structure of our government. Okay, he was in charge of that. Okay, you didn't need an, a, a move of legislation to administrate to, towards those agencies and to get, get the, uh, all he had to do was revoke powers with an executive order and then end it. But what, what powers were those agencies exerting? I mean, genuine, genuine, genuine question at the state level. That oh, you like they were making things. they were making federal recommendations for for actions on everything. Yeah, but a recommendation is a rec is oh I see because um what what's the strength of a recommendation? Is it well, it's 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 a got a a tour of force behind it. It's implied How? force. And 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 How? Dan Bongino, do you want me to to play the clip for you again? Uh, there's. <laughs> It's implied force. So, Julia, I'm going to bring you up to the speaker column so that Brady can get in here. Do you mind if I promote you? Oh, no, not at all. Okay. I, I, I promote women. <laughs> <laughs>
birthing people get it right. <laughs> Come on, Brady. So you have to accept the invite, and then I'm going to go ahead and bring him into the caller queue. So make next caller. Invite to speak. Go ahead, Brady. What's up? What's up, y'all? I am working hard on getting a new venue promoted and doing some promoting for some of my other shows. Well, before you do that, Brady, let me go ahead and and promote my Substack. You know, vociferously once again. Um, It's com, and I've gotten a lot of subscriptions this week for my world my world work. And you know, to to the great fortune of Ben, our our speaker here in the call queue with me, um, I, I am printing him. In, in the UK, so they are they are good speakers. I don't have a total uh, dismissal of Trump whatsoever. I, I complimented him greatly on his work during during his administration, uh, but I didn't agree and go along with with all of the all of the things. Go ahead, Brady. Yeah, um, I don't subscribe to either side of the false dichotomy. You know me. Um, but I'm going to be talking to uh, AI today, actually. I'm going to be hosting a podcast where I, I communicate with uh, ChatGPT. And we're going to have a little conversation with AI. So watch how that. How is that going to go? Like, how, how, are you, oh, how are you doing that? We're going to ask it all the deepest and darkest philosophical questions. And then I'm just going to relay the answers and responses to y'all. And we can all... So you know, when is this happening? Ask questions. Oh, after your show. <laughs> okay. No you pressure. You puffed no that way. one out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brady. We'll Why see how it goes. Throw it in the wood chipper. We're going to be fine. You technophobes are the dangerous ones. Y'all are the ones that are going to get humans in trouble. Well, I don't know. It, I'm I'm not necessarily technophobic. I'm on call-in right now. If I was a true technophobe Luddite, we wouldn't even know each other. See? See? That's what I'm saying. There's no point in uh, fighting it. You might as well learn to embrace it and make the best of it. And, well, you know, I, that's I the kind of also tacit it. consent. Like, you, you have limited engagement, and then you try to, to kind of... You're, it's all a trade, Brady. You have to negotiate along the way with innovation. Sure. Um, why not? Yeah, and <laughs> and so I have a lot to say about uh, regulation. I'm just just trying to find my sea legs with this stuff. How are you just coming out of it? A massive censorship freeze. I, I'm, I'm coming out of it, and I, I'm I'm just trying to find my sea legs. Then I'm gonna come yeah. back, and I'm gonna be like the old anti-transhumanist bitch that I used used to be, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to come like full screen, like, you know, and, and, you know, tell Elon Musk to his face, here is, here is a really good reason why you can't do that. Well, it's inevitable, you know, like, uh, no, it's not (laughs) because the AI breaks. That's why it's not inevitable. AI breaks. There's no, there's no regulating this. Eventually, it's going to break out, like you said. Like it's, there's no containing this. this is, it's an inevitability. And I don't believe that. And and people like you, or people who speak like this, who've coached you on these, these, these uh, 
humanist and and uh, overwhelming talking points. You know, I've heard it like for years in in Washington State, and I'm not impressed, and I don't care. Well, what's the point against <laughs> it? What's the counterpoint? Like, how could you regulate this? Like, how could you prevent it from happening? Well, I'll tell you how. Because, like I said, it's not impervious to to fault. It's not impervious to flaws. It it is a human generated product, and in that, it's going to suffer regressive regulation in the field in which it impacts. Once it starts touching people and correspondingly hurting people, you could ask people who generate these technologies how much regulation they face today from the FTC, from the SEC, based on cloud products, products that never even leave the house, okay? So there's a whole legal spectrum of, of uh, puppeteering that you've got to navigate. And that's why Julia's like, we need to cut red tape. I believe that. But when you're dealing with uh, sandboxed innovation, going against the, like, well, we've outpaced the uh, the forms of regulation, like, now nah, you didn't because they're going to find a way. And once it starts hurting people, that's where it is. It, it comes upon you suddenly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> suddenly. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, but, you know, I'm more concerned about AI falling into the hands of the wrong humans than I am AI itself. It's more Are you the wrong aspect. human today, Brady, with chat GBT? Oh, I'm, I'm the right human. <laughs> I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm chaotic good. That remains to be seen. What if you turn into an evil despot once you were empowered by the by the uh, the grizzle of uh, chat GPT. <laughs> I would only be considered evil by the lowest of us. It's like, no, I'm a good white wizard. We'll see. <laughs> I'm Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> we'll see. I'm a gray wizard. I'm a little bit in the middle. Does anybody want to weigh in on this? Like, chat GPT uh, <laughs> is, has gotten kind of kind of put to the side everybody's kind of using it they're indulging it now because <laughs> lawyers have been made obsolete we no longer need lawyers uh chat well, gbi has proven itself to be infinitely more effective than the lawyer oh we don't faster. need lawyers we don't need comics we don't need letter writers we don't need anything that that i am relevant to do we could just we could just seed control Open our chest and die! You can't use that. I have a little bit of a silver lining for you. Um, I came to this epiphany the other day, and I realized that sexiness is the last thing the robots will be able to beat us at. Well, I think there's a silicone mold that would compete with you on that one. Ben, did you want to say something? Um, I was just going to say... That thing's not as hot as I am yet. I was just going to say that the learn to code meme might might uh, quickly run out of steam because computers will quickly be able to code better than people. Uh, putting all programmers. Brady, you sound like you're speaking from experience. Did you buy a sex robot or something? No, but I've seen pictures and I'm not fucking it. <laughs> That's the most awesome thing I've heard all day. I've seen a picture. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. A can opener yeah, is sexier I, than that. I don't know. Elon Musk's ex-wife, Tallulah Riley, looked pretty, pretty good in Westworld. 
you know, where she Oh, Westworld was dang. That was great. It was really yeah. funny because uh, that was the only Michael Crichton book that I didn't read growing up because um, I thought it was a Western. <laughs> 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 I was like, why no, did you write a I Western? the first season and a half, and then I got so confused. Anytime anybody puts time travel in a show, I oh, can't. Man. I can't follow it, but I just think yeah, it's, it's so funny. Wild. Married her twice, and but had no kids with her. But I, I don't know. I feel like he. I don't believe in aliens, but if I did, I'd put my money on Elon being one of them. Well, I mean, he's a self-professed alien. That's that's what he mm-hmm. said. But I don't, don't know if I want to make alien hybrid babies. I mean, how did he talk that talk them into that? Hey, we we are alien hybrid babies. I I don't know. I look look around. Look around. I I'm not sure that I'm I'm on board to like. Anyways, if somebody's like self-professing, like I'm so space connected that you know, and and maybe he comes from like an alien hybrid family. You know, (laughs) there is a lot to you know unspool there that. You know, plus, you know, Grimes. Okay, I think, you know, if anybody qualifies as alien fair, Grimes. <laughs> no, she's a wannabe alien, but I don't think she's up to Elon's level. And he, you know, she's the reason he got in trouble with the SEC for that 420 tweet. And. I don't know. Like, did you hear about the whole Vanity Fair article? Like, you know, the reporter from Vanity Fair goes to interview her at their house and, you know, like, reportedly, you know, their child, which they named that unpronounceable name. X or... Yeah, was with Elon and then... (laughs) But the reporter hears this baby crying in the background. They have two kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, you know, ordered this baby with a surrogate. And, uh, yeah, it was born. And that was, like, how the world found out. Like, I don't know. I I like how weird he is. But, um, I mean, Kanye West and, and, you know, they they are corporate entities these columns of of bodies of people who who work in hollywood and get to a certain money level they don't actually make their own children anymore right no like yeah (laughs) let someone else do that my sister's friends with like sarah jessica parker's hairdresser and she faked her whole pregnancy like she had a surrogate but pretended that she had it that's unconfirmed you know i'll just i'm gonna treat all this as gossip because yeah it's just gossip (laughs) i don't know that's anything that's like verified through a hairdresser is gossip (laughs) it's gossip you know i don't have an issue with that but i just think it's so funny like no and i read a story the other day a couple weeks ago and it was like elon musk's daughter disavows him like i followed he does not have any daughters he only makes boys and it was someone who you know she was she was transitioning so so that's interesting too because maybe he's a genderist person 
Well, no, I mean, obviously, like, he, it, from the article, it sounded like he was very accepting and stuff, but... Dan, um, I reached 2,000 people in the last seven days. Oh, that's good. I'm that's kind of cool. <laughs> good, good for you. Oh, sorry, okay, guys. Okay, so let's, let's just unmuted. wrap this up at uh, the, the hour 30 mark, if you guys don't mind. Uh-huh. I mean, I, you know, I, I can... Anyone can speculate about anyone. I'm not really as judgmental about things. I think that that obviously, Julia, you have you have prior history. I think that pregnancy is so privacy and so personal, and you know you have to just be really careful. Plus, you know, the, there is the the over like the three thousand foot question, or maybe even ten foot question, which is okay. Is this the right world to bring a child into at this time? Can we wait a few years and see if things kind of straighten out? Um, but I, I don't really feel very good about the world I live in and bringing another child in there. So there are child children that are here that are available for adoption. I think that they definitely need parenting and, and parenting help for people who want to be parents. Um, I'm a, I'm a strong proponent of adoption, but you know, I mean, I, are, do you have children, Julia? Like, are you ambivalent about, um, you know, breeding at this age? No, I don't, I don't have kids and, you know, I do feel like, you know, abortion ultimately is not right, but I'm not all on board with just banning it outright. But when it comes to, like, late stage, I just feel like that's barbaric. And it's sad that the Democrats, like, certain ones, I think the majority of voters are not on board with that, but the leadership is just You said especially late stage, but why especially late stage? You know, it's essentially infanticide. Like if you, if the child could survive a live birth and be a preemie and make it in the incubator, I think that's kind of where she's coming from. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, my my sperm can make it into a, a, a freezer and eventually make it into an egg. It's not about and your it, sperm when it's sperm. Honestly, no, we're letting I, a lot I, of I, eggs. We're letting a lot of eggs just kind of go to waste uh, every I month. I mean. Your- we point. could be preserving all these eggs and potentially making humans. I understand your point, but just in my gut, that's just how I feel about it. And it, I think so, that's how, I think honestly, that's how most people feel about it. But, um, so like I'm, I'm a Christian. If a late, sta- if a late stage, uh, if a late stage fetus is more important than a sperm then is a living child yeah. more important than a late stage fetus well, yes i, I mean fetus, all of them are like the five is more important than a sperm a sperm is just like ironically the only cell in a male's body that doesn't have a y chromosome but um it I don't know. I just feel like legally you can't legislate morality, but I do feel like, you know, once it has fingernails and all that, like, it's just, sorry, I don't care if you were raped or whatever. Like, that's a human 
So well, what's more important having friends or fingernails? Like when it's old enough to talk, is it then more important than like uh, a late stage? Would you say like, like a born child that's already loved and has friends and emotions and connections to the world around it? Well, like, legally, I mean, you can't we're, kill a child. Yeah, and once maybe. it's, a, once it's a child, it's, 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 Oh no, it's here. Kill children legally, all the time you can't kill it. Yeah. Our country kill kills it. children very legally, uh, hyper-legally. Here. Our country is very good at killing children legally. Why don't you just uh, say what you mean, We've been doing it a long Brady. time. No, yeah, you know what, so. Brady? I agree with you, but speaking I don't know what you're talking about. Tell me I'm what talking you about mean. war. When it's legally... The, the, sanctioned, the sanctioned murder oh, okay, of children, thank you. you call thank it you war. Thank you for clarifying. Thank you. But yeah, the, the military is guilty of it. So, and yeah, the I mean, all, all good points, guys. Now, but... Politically speaking, I don't even remember how I got on this, but I think yeah. I think we got on to Mr. Hypernatalist Elon Musk AI generated, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, right. everything. You know, because uh, he's know a, he's basically this this you know super you know con like potent guy who just goes to a lab and gets it done. <laughs> well, like, I feel like you know the the right you know is. I just would caution against getting behind him totally. And just, yeah, I would too. Just yeah. because he, he bought this not platform. A hero. Like he, I like him because he doesn't fit in any box. He's not an ideologue. Like he's an ideophile. Like he loves ideas. You know who? Like and yes, he got certain subsidies for Tesla, SpaceX. You know. And honestly, if you really do want to have like a cleaner environment and stuff, I do feel like it does probably, you probably have to have some sort of subsidy. But, you know, who would think that a private company could do laps around NASA, you know? like I, I could, I easily. easily. Yeah. Just, just because it's government and government is really encumbered by... Um, Especially because NASA works with the DOD, and the DOD has a ton of rules right. that govern well, it. And so, with that, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. Julia, yeah. thank you for jumping in the speaker column with me. Um, Elon Musk, Musk is going to be a puzzle for a lot of people for a long time. I'm very grateful for him right now. But um, if I come down on the the adverse side, uh, because I take an, a, an anti transhumanist position um, that I'm going to speak my mind on Twitter and see what, how, how tolerant he is of an actual debate when it comes to merit. We'll, we'll test him. We'll test him on that. So until next Saturday, guys, we this has been FUD AI and we're all going to die on the <laughs> Sanctioned Citizen. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Sheila. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast Archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Call-In. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.